The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm Peter Strachan. Welcome to this edition of Stockhead's Rock Yarn. Pilot Energy aims to leverage its position in oil and gas assets offshore Western Australia to develop value-adding business opportunities. To update us on both the company's petroleum production and exploration work, as well as its new energy initiatives, we're pleased to welcome the company's chairman, Brad Lingo. Brad, Pilot has a 21% interest in the 600-barrel-a-day Cliffhead oil field offshore WA. A technical review of the licence WA481P has revealed potential for discovery of additional oil and gas. Can you outline what's been found and how the Cliffhead Joint Venture plans to move ahead to add value here? Peter, it's very good to give you this update. The uh, Cliffhead oil field sits in the Commonwealth Permit WA31L and Pilot holds uh, 100% of the surrounding exploration acreage uh, WA481P. Right. Cliffhead, when it was discovered, basic recoverable, 15 million barrels. It's got about a year and a half left of production. There's some potential small unaccessed oil, but we've looked at uh, bringing in farming partners over the last couple of years, uh, we in Triangle, and there really hasn't been a lot of interest in pursuing that. Uh, quite different um, in the surrounding area in 481P. Cliffhead lookalike uh, oil prospects heading further south. Um, we've got two undeveloped uh, discoveries already in the block, uh, the Franklin um, gas discovery due north of Cliffhead and um, further, even further north, uh, the undeveloped Dunsborough oil discovery. But when we go due west of Cliffhead, there's a big gas prospect complex called Leander Reef. And just within the Leander Reef cluster, it's a faulted structure. We've identified there's about a TCF of a prospective uh, best estimate gas in place, 450 petajoules recoverable. And then we have two identical prospects on that same trend uh, to the south, Harrier and Hawk, that are of comparable size. Um, so the total best estimate prospective resource um, on those leads and prospects are about one, one and a half TCF of gas. The Leander Reef complex is quite interesting because it was originally drilled by Diamond Shamrock in 82-83. It was, from a drilling operation perspective, pretty much a nightmare well, um, including interruption of drilling by a cyclone. And it was targeting shallow oil in the Dongra sandstones. Ultimately, that was unsuccessful. And as Diamond Shamrock uh, drilled the rat hole to run the logs, um, they had to deepen the well. And as the well got deeper, um, started seeing elevated gas readings. Mm. Um, we've done a full uh, reinterpretation of the block. 41 has quite extensive 2D seismic, um, but we are going to be shooting 3D seismic around the Cliffhead uh, production permit and covering the Lander Reef and those Harrier and Hawk uh, gas prospects prior to drilling a well in mid-2025. But what we, part of that reinterpretation is uh, identified that we've got a big undrilled section that's the equivalent of the Kinia sandstone. Uh, that's the real big gas prospectivity play um, in the onshore North Perth Basin. So it's really a lookalike. Uh, once you cross over 
um, that uh, Geraldton Fault, where you've got the Geraldton Fault, uh, that cliffhead horse structure that really is uh, a bit of a regional high, and therefore why it was a migration focal point for oil. Um, we know we've got a working petroleum system. There's good signature of elevated gas readings in the, 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 the very thick, organic-rich cockatia shale, and you get that deep trough heading inland into the Dandarigan trough where those gas discoveries are being made. But we have exactly that same mirror image on west of the Geraldton Fault. Yeah. Um, the same, based on log reinterpretation, um, same geologic sequence that hasn't been drilled and evidence of elevated gas um, in the original abandoned well uh, that was drilled back in 82. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because you said the um, cliffhead was developed on 15 million barrels, but I think it's produced about 22 or 23 or something so far. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. The original field development plan said it was supposed to stop producing in 2019. Yeah. Um, and it's still ticking. It's going to produce into mid-2025. Yeah, and you've just, you just had a workover on the well number 10, so that should bring it back up to sort of 600 barrels a day. So sort of washing its face. You know. Yeah, and, and in fact, there is some significant upside as we, you know, complete that uh, Cliffhead 10 workover. Uh, there's a recent um, production analysis um, and geologic interpretation of Cliffhead 10 post the, the first stage of the workover. And there's significant um, evidence that um, the upper um, oil producing zone in Cliffhead 10 has actually been offline since 2014. And that either either is a mechanical issue around the sliding sleeve or in an earlier workover um, when the well was offline, that upper zone um, effectively got plugged off because of an asphaltine buildup uh, clogging off the perforations. Yeah. So uh, Triangle's actually doing a, um, a wash on that. There is some significant potential that that upper zone could come on quite strongly. Yeah. Uh, much stronger than what was really anticipated from the original yeah. workover. Okay, well, that'd be worthwhile waiting to see. Now, it's interesting yeah. that the uh, the drilling that was done out to the west there was done, that was when that big cyclone came down and hit Perth. It was uh, mm. people still, you know, uh, a wide-eyed, and everyone talks about this cyclone activity in, in the early 80s here that went all the way down to Eagle Bay. So what's the... What's the planned initiatives around further petroleum extraction, as well as using the infrastructure that you have there for carbon capture and storage and other green energy initiatives? I mean, you've spoken about the exploration potential in uh, 481P uh, and and the sort of limited around uh, Cliff Head where you're the 21% partner. We really do have a strong focus on gas. One uh, since the BP refinery uh, went offline, uh, oil in the Midwest has been a bit challenging from a yeah. from a marketing perspective. Um, we are the we are we are the um, as a Cliffhead joint venture the sole marketer, and uh, you know have have a continuing um, crude oil supply, production supply, and export uh, chain operating. Um, that's a bit of a high cost operation, yeah. Unless we can get uh, produce volumes up, you know, another, you know, 400, 500 barrels. Uh, we get that up another 400, 500 barrels, and it really does start to throw off significant cash again. Yeah. Um, but it's a totally different story around gas. Yeah. Um, one, uh, you know, 
we've got access, ready access to two sales gas pipelines. Um, uh, you know, there's, you know, a project, projected shortage in the next, next couple of years uh, domestically for gas. A spot price of over $9 a gigajoule currently as well. We see it. We see a big opportunity there. Um, uh, plus the opportunity of our own organic um, demand from the Midwest Clean Energy Project. And I think this is one of the points we really like to highlight. I think um, we spoke about it earlier about um, Franklin um, and the fact that, you know, Franklin and, and a lot of that um, deep North Perth Basin gas has, you know, elevated CO2 levels. So um, a lot of investment has to go in to process that out. Um, it's really interesting. The technology platform that we've chosen for um, blue hydrogen, blue ammonia production um, uh, using the Eight Rivers Capital AFC Clean Power and 8RH2 technology. Um, one of the, the, the little known things about it, and we're beginning to highlight it um, uh, to, to players, is that we can take CO2 rich gas. And we not only we can take CO2 rich gas, um, we can also, in the processing and utilization of that gas, provide over 99% carbon capture um, on a very low cost basis. Um, so to put it in perspective, um, one of the nearby projects in the North Perth Basin, based on their um, November 2012 greenhouse gas management plan, um, as they go to produce their, uh, they've, they've told the WA government they're going to have scope one emissions of 700,000 tons of CO2 um, to produce 1.2, uh, 1.4 million tons of ammonia. Um, our same project producing 1.2 million tons of ammonia has, because of the technology platform um, and that, that utilization of uh, even high CO2 gas, we'll only have 16,000 tons of scope one emissions because we have that integrated um, uh, carbon capture and storage solution with uh, uh, the Cliffhead CCS project. Uh, Brad, isn't with the Franklin gas field, which is really a sort of CO2 field with a bit of methane in it, isn't it advantageous to have that CO2 when you're manufacturing ammonia? Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, and that's why um, it would even be uh, more conducive using that uh, Eight Rivers technology. Um, and that's one of the things about the Eight Rivers technology. It can take um, natural gas with up to um, 70% CO2 content. So, Brad, look, just a step back. And from, from an energy and thermodynamic standpoint, I'm just wondering how would the Midwest Clean Energy Project to manufacture blue hydrogen stand up? And, you know, I mean, a lot of people would say it would just be easier to use the methane as a fuel rather than go to blue hydrogen. Yeah, it, it, in a sense, on a pure energy balance perspective, if you don't have a uh, management of the CO2 at either your point source of production or a management of the CO2 at its point source of use. So, you know, ideally, um, you would, you know, have, you know, really good industrial um, hygiene and, and make sure that you're not venting CO2 yep. associated with um, and stripping out a lot more CO2 when you produce sales gas, but equally um, being very uh, aggressive on uh, your ability to capture CO2 uh, in using the natural gas uh, 
um, either as a feedstock or um, for, for chemical production, you know, uh, ammonia uh, fertilizer production or as a combustible fuel. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that um, using it as a combustible fuel, that Eight Rivers technology is also solved because when it when you use it in that Eight Rivers technology, the CO2 you produce comes out super critical and you don't need any other um, uh, capture or parasitic energy demand when you for that CO2 to be in just the right form for uh, carbon sequestration. So you'd be lo- looking to use the cliff head reservoirs, the depleted reservoirs as a storage vessel effectively for carbon dioxide, yeah. Absolutely. As we say, you know, it was, uh, it was a warehouse for oil for millions of years and we want to turn it, turn it into a permanent vault for CO2. And you might get a little bit more oil out of it as well. You might, you might. And, you know, one of the things I think that makes Cliffhead quite unique as a carbon capture and storage asset is that by the time we go to carbon capture and storage, we'll have a 17-year injection history because all the water that was ever produced out of Cliffhead plus makeup water to make up for the oil removed has been re-injected. So we know exactly how that reservoir behaves. And so it's going to be a continuing operation um, in the future of injection of CO2, but maintaining the pressure in the reservoir as it is today by continued water production. And with that continued water production, there's likely to be continued oil production associated with it. So Brad, can you tell us a little bit about the sort of black box of this technology that you're planning to use? What Eight Rivers is, is Eight Rivers Capital. It's a private equity, clean energy um, incubator. In the mid-20-teens, they hooked up with a, a um, quite a advanced thinking power engineer. And he, uh, from Yorkshire, who uh, named Roddy Allen, who identified that, you know, this whole issue about the creation of CO2 and then the post-capture um, in a post capture for a you know a ten percent CO two emission stream from power generation, you could be using up to twenty to thirty percent of your power generated from that to just uh, manage a CO two capture. So he he turned the entire equation around on its head and said, actually, we're going to focus on oxy combustion of methane, natural gas, um, to produce a supercritical CO two stream and use that supercritical CO2 as actually the driver fluid um, uh, for power generation. Okay. Now, that, that had three, three main advantages. The first was that um, uh, supercritical CO2 is virtually a frictionless fluid. That's why it's used for CO2 EOR. Um, it's got very low molecular adhesion, and therefore it, it's very, you know, it's a very slippery fluid um, running through a, a, a power turbine. Yeah. Um, the second is that it has a much higher energy transfer value than either air or water. So normally we're combusting natural gas to produce super superheated air or or steam. Um, and when you put those two elements together, you actually get a much more effective and more complete um, uh, energy extraction or energy efficiency out of the combustion of natural gas. Just for the sake of the listener, the EOR is enhanced oil recovery. Now, is Brad, is this the same technology as your sorbent-based post-combustion 
carbon capture? No, that's a different thing. No, no. That 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 the, the next piece of the puzzle was there are these industries such as aluminum refining, where they they use lots of thermal energy. They need lots of steam. That's part of the process of uh, converting um, bauxite to alumina. There's uh, a calcining stage. So there's you know, the high, high energy input to transfer the raw mineral to, you know, its first stage of um, refined product. Yeah. Um, and what comes along with that um, is a lot of CO2 emissions. So Svante um, uh, Technologies out of Canada, they started to focus on how can we deal with you know, businesses like aluminum refining, cement uh, manufacturer to deal with what are, you know, large volumes of flue gas with, you know, 10 to 15% CO2 concentrations. And how can we effectively capture that CO2 out of those big volumes? Yeah, yeah that's a completely separate uh, project to do that and offer that as a service and and integrate it with your uh, Cliffhead storage facility. Exactly. So at the end of the day, we, we're providing an ability to store, um, but to be, you know, kind of a full service provider, yeah, yeah. we also need to assist and direct um, yep. emitters to make them aware of how they can best um, capture the CO2 on a low cost basis so that we can then transport it to Cliffhead for storage and give them a full solution. So uh, look, finally, Brad, and quickly, uh, what's Pilot's expected news flow for the June quarter and for the rest of 2023? Uh, look, the, you know, the big uh, couple big things. Um, we are in a, you know, expression of interest process with prospective partners to join yep. us in the Midwest Clean Energy Project, uh, both the CCS project and um, the Clean Ammonia project, and that process is going quite well. So that's there's there's some you know potential new f- news flow around that. We also have you know our regulatory approval process that we're going through with NOPTA um, to get the the approval for the CCS project. So we do expect you know news flow really on those two fronts. Uh, over the next, you know, two to three months. And what about Leander? Will Leander need more uh, seismic or is it really ready yes, for drilling? Yes, it will. We're, we're actually going through the environmental approval for the 3D seismic and we'll, um, the aim is to uh, undertake that um, 3D seismic in the first quarter of um, 2024 calendar year. Yeah. Um, and we are engaging uh, with uh, prospective uh, Farmanese um, to join us in um, both that 3D seismic and uh, drilling campaign, uh, 2025, mid-2025 drilling campaign. Well, you know that Mineral Resources and Hancock are both very keen to find more gas in the basin. So, yeah, they'll be knocking on your door, I imagine. Well, you know, as you know, as, as, as you know Peter, you know, one and a half TCF a prospective resource in what's, you know, a new and emerging play is, Generally, nothing to sneeze at. Brad, thanks for coming in today to uh, Rock Yarn, and we'll be watching over the next couple of months as you uh, progress with those projects. So thanks again for coming into Stockhead today. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter.